Good afternoon, Spark. It is so good to be with you. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, we love and appreciate and of course miss you all. Thank you, Pamela and Patty for hosting and praying. Thank you, Junior and Jen for leading us in worship. We so appreciate it. Many years ago, when I first began in ministry, I heard this intriguing story about a pastor who happened to be in Sunnyvale. I went to college in San Jose. And this pastor made his congregation mad by a sermon that he preached. The thing was, he didn't really preach a sermon. He simply recited, read, a portion of the Gospel of Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount as his sermon. Now, according to this story, the congregation was disturbed. And I'm not really sure exactly what happened there, but the point of the story was to illustrate how many Christians, church-going people, have not actually really grappled with the teachings of Jesus. Now, let me just say that story is for sure mythical. It's something that Bible college homiletics professors trot out to illustrate how clever they are. And they're also modeling, you know, showing emerging pastors how to fabricate a good story for a point, you know, something that, well, has become standard trade practice. But as with most myths, there is perhaps something actually intriguing to consider. The anecdote might actually be a parable, a story that prods us into thinking about something we may have never considered before. What would really happen if we listened and listened carefully to what Jesus was and is actually saying? Over the past several weeks, we've heard from Spark teachers, people for whom I am incredibly grateful. I have learned much, I've been challenged by their messages, I've been encouraged by their words. Pastor Danielle's exhortation to us to carefully consider um, the beauty of the old tradition in partnership with the th new thing that God is doing. Pastor Omer's insight into how the radical inclusivity of Jesus applies and extends to those with different abilities and challenges us to provide that same access. Siddhi's challenge to us to see more than what is immediately apparent, that discipleship is allowing Jesus to widen our frame of reference beyond our own perspectives. Pastor Tom's impassioned plea to heed, to pursue our calling now, not later, but now, very similar to what Siddhi mentioned, that now is the time. And Pastor Marcus spoke to the deep family connections that we all have as the way in which we go about our relationships with others. I want to say how tremendously blessed we are to have these people in our community. They have done their homework uh, um, and they offer their work as a living sacrifice to this community. These people do not get paid. Their reward is in heaven. Um, they do it out of the passion of their hearts and their love of Jesus in this community so deeply grateful. For today, I'd like to share with you some perspectives from a little bit of the other side. As I have paid attention to how I listen to sermons over decades now, I've noticed a habit that, um, a habit that can frequently emerge where I listen to the Bible passage that I, is being read, but then I wait to hear what the preacher teacher has to say, where that's like the good stuff about the passage that we just read. And 
for sure, this is a really necessary discipline. There's history and culture, contextual perspectives that are needed to understand. Um, we believe that greater understandings are actually a part of what makes a good student, a good disciple. And Spark will absolutely continue in this tradition of bringing history, context, culture to our teachings. But while the point of a sermon might be for us to have a takeaway, the point of the scriptures that we've read together is actually to get to Jesus. And so today, I would like to propose to us that part of the regular rhythm and discipline of being a follower of Jesus is not to just listen to what those of us who teach have to say about Jesus, but to listen to Jesus himself. As I was preparing for today, wanting to bring all the full brilliance of what is happening in this passage to you all, references to the Old Testament, the brilliant vision that Jesus is casting in the context of a Roman Empire, the social and religious upheaval that Jesus was doing, etc. I, I just paused in my own reading and just simply read through the words of Jesus and submitted myself under his teachings. And so I would like to invite us all to share in that experience together. What I'd like to do is just read through the Sermon on the Plain. I would like to invite us to just listen, listen, listen to what Jesus said and not really look for anything else other than the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the sermon of Jesus that is as best as we can understand what Jesus himself actually taught his disciples. And one last thing, it is hashtag 2020. It is a difficult time. Climate change is advancing faster and more prominently than previously modeled. Our national reckoning with racism is still, still fraught with a palpable injustice. Our body politic is divided and polarized, and we have uh, significant challenges with truth, facts, um, what could be called a public epistemology. We are philosophically living in different worlds. With this as our context, and many of you are just trying to live through the day, I am persuaded that the teachings of Jesus are just as relevant and meaningful and extremely necessary. It is my prayer that we pay heed to that which revolutionized the first century world, and by listening, perhaps we could revolutionize our 21st century world. So, as we read through, as we listen together, may your heart and mind open. May our souls once again be inspired to live the way of Jesus. Here is Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 17. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed 
are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Can a blind guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take the speck out of your eye? When you yourself do not see the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. 
for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of the heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood rose, the river burst against that house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. Those final words of Jesus encourage us to consider what kind of life are we building. And the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus are there to show us the kind of life that we do build, one on a stable foundation or one on a shaky foundation. It is my hope and my prayer that the reading, the recitation, the meditation on Jesus' words, Jesus' teachings, help to shift the calculus for us, to remind us and ground us once again of the firm foundation upon which we are building not just our faith, our very lives, and how we live and how we act and how we breathe and how we behave and how we vote and how we relate and how we walk. All of that. So, Sparkers, thank you for pausing for a brief moment to hear and to listen to what Jesus actually said. And unlike the church in Sunnyvale that was disturbed, it is our hope and our prayer that we are actually inspired to live this way. For sure, these words evoke challenge, intrigue, consternation. So let it begin. As we move to a time of communion, it is my prayer and hope and exhortation that we not only take the elements, the bread and the wine or the juice, as a remembrance of Christ's death, burial and resurrection, but now let us also take communion as a symbolic representation of our ingesting of Christ's teachings and for those teachings to nourish our bodies and our hearts and our minds and our souls very much like the food. For in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And in accordance with the way and the teaching of Jesus, every single person, all are welcome at this table. Mm -hmm.